This week, we're going to dive into part two of our summer sales course. We're going to talk about your CSRs and your dispatchers. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Welcome to the audio version of Cracking the Code. Now, this was originally a video show, so if you hear us talking about something related to an image or any other visual element, you can see what we're talking about by going over to egia.org show and see what we're doing there and Cracking the Code. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Let's talk about your CSR skills. Now, remember, last week was our first section about this summer sales course we're doing, and we talked about pricing. Today, we're going to talk about why it's important for your CSRs to have training and have very specific things they're trying to accomplish on every call. Why is it important? Well, listen, folks, we're getting the summer, and the last thing we want to do is to lose opportunity in the summer. I mean, we wait all year for three or four months in the summer, right? We want to make sure everybody's dialed in. We talked about the pricing last week, and we want to make sure your CSRs are dialed in as well to make sure they can capitalize on every opportunity. I mean, this is, we got to make the hay while the sun is shining. We want to make sure and capture every opportunity. What your CSRs do and say is a huge part of that. Now, to illustrate this, I want to share with you a video from our very own Brigham Dickinson. He's going to talk to you about a couple of three things that's really important that your CSRs must be doing. There are three things you got to do to be a great dispatcher. Number one, never, ever, ever say no. Now, I realize in the back of your mind, you're going, geez, if the dispatch board is full, at some point, we've got to be honest and just tell the customer that there's no way we can get out to them today. But if you're booked solid, what are the chances of your competitors being booked solid as well? Pretty good. Everybody's busy trying to make things happen. So if they're going to wait, well, then they might as well wait for you. So how do we take care of them? It's really simple. We put them on this thing called the urgency list. Mr. Jones, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you on today's urgency list. As soon as a customer calls in to reschedule or a technician gets done in your area, we're going to move you into that slot. We book every call that comes in. We never, ever, ever say no. Number two, a dispatcher who is good at what they do is great at fitting as many appointments into that schedule as possible. It's kind of like Tetris. Blocks are coming down. You're moving them to the left, to the right. You're modifying them. You're turning them upside down. What are you trying to do? Fit as many blocks in the bottom as possible so you don't lose. And that's exactly what it's about. Because the more we can fill, the more business we're going to get, the more money we're going to make. A good dispatcher is good at Tetris. Number three, you've got to be fantastic at working with people. You can't say to your technician, deal with it, man. This is your job. You've got to be able to say, hey, I know you're working hard. This family today, even though it's after hours, they need you, they need your expertise. You see the difference there? You gotta take great care of them and direct them on what they should do, not what they should not do. If you master these three things, number one, never say no. Number two, be awesome at Tetris, fill that box. Number three, be a people person, and you'll be the best dispatcher in the industry. Now, in addition to your CSRs, you know, saying the right things, we want to make sure that your lead coordination is up to par. The reality is we're going to be very, very busy in the summertime, and it's easy sometimes to start cutting corners and just sending out our, you know, sales guys out there on one-leggers and not qualifying them properly like we might do in a slower part of the season. It's just as important to make sure we have both homeowners present whenever we can on every sales call. It's important in the fall. It's important in the spring. It's always important, especially in the summer when we have the most opportunities. 
So I want to share a little video with you and some ideas and things your lead coordinator should be considering you should be doing. But take a quick look and check out what you need to make sure that your lead coordinators are doing, especially in the summer. So in this next role play, we're going to have the situation where John objects to uh, both homeowners being present. Uh, he's going to uh, have a problem getting his wife there because she works a lot, she travels a lot, whatever it is. And again, I'm going to make the effort. Now keep in mind, when it comes to both homeowners present, in fact, when it comes to any of these objections, if I ask a couple of times and the homeowner says, no, I'm, my wife's not going to be here, you know, it's just not, you know, whatever. Then if, if he says that a couple of times, I'm just going to set the lead with just him. And then it's up to my comfort consultant, my design consultant, to get in the house and run the lead properly according to a one-legger situation. That's part of the core training that your sales professionals uh, uh, have already gotten or are in the process of getting now. And so this situation, we're going to have kind of a problem with John having his wife there. I'm going to do my level best to get him to agree to it. And if he doesn't agree to it, then we'll just, you know, set the lead. But in this case, he's going to be pretty nice to me. Uh, he's going to get more difficult here in a moment. I just have a feeling. Uh, but in this one, uh, he's going to see the wisdom of having, you know, both uh, he and his wife present. So, Johnny, you ready? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to take the call. Thank you for calling ABC Heating and Cooling. This is Wally. How may we save you money today? Yeah, I'm uh, interested in finding out a little bit more about a new home comfort system. Okay, awesome. Well, that certainly is our business. Uh, do you mind if I ask your name, sir? Sure, of course. It's John. And John, your last name? Ketchell. John Ketchell. Awesome. Uh, John, if you don't mind me asking, how did you find out about us? You know, I was driving out of the neighborhood and I saw one of your trucks, okay. so I uh, figured I'd give you a call. I went online and you guys were there. so. Awesome. What part of town are you in? I'm in the northeast side. Okay, northeast side. Well, we were just up there, it uh, looks like, in your neighborhood just a week or so ago, so that probably was uh, yeah. the day that you saw the trucks. Well, listen, we really appreciate you calling in. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an idea of how this process works uh, in terms of, uh, you know, you going from an older system to a, to a, to a, new, a new system. Uh, what's the age of your current system, John, if you happen to know? Uh, well, it's the original equipment. I bought the house 10 years ago, and I was not the original owner. I would say about 17 years old. Okay. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, at the tail end of its life, losing a lot of efficiency, probably not as comfortable as it used to be as well. Probably lost. Yeah, it this. seems to be always on. Yeah, awesome. Never stops. Never stops. Well, let me explain to you a little bit about how we handle this process. Uh, you may have called other companies by now, John. In many cases, uh, contractors will simply just ask you the square footage of your home, and try to properly size your system based on square footage. Have you had any conversations like that? Yeah, I actually called two other companies and they both asked me that question. Yeah, well here's why that really is a significant thing to consider. Uh, when we send our guys out, their number one priority is to properly measure your home and to properly size your system. Uh, the Department of Energy estimates that well over half of all HVAC systems are improperly installed and improperly sized. And the reason they're improperly sized is because they've done kind of what uh, the two companies you've called have done. They just get your square footage and they think they know the size of the system. Well, Consumer Reports and Department of Energy cautions us to be leery of contractors who do that. And here's the reason why. The bottom line is your house, the exact same floor plan uh, across a different part of town that has uh, a different orientation towards the sun, maybe different attic insulation, different siding, uh, you know, maybe different types of windows. Uh, those changes can dramatically change the energy usage and the load demands of the system on the identical floor plan. And so the reason that Department of Energy recommends and, uh, you know, that we do this load calculation is to make sure the system is properly sized. It's critically important. 
because your current system, you said it's running all the time, there's a pretty good chance it's undersized, which of course is the opposite problem. But you don't want your system running 24-7 and then not even doing the cooling that you expect from that. Is that a fair, fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I walk in front of the sliding glass door and you can feel the temperature change. It just right. gets warmer. Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to take care of that. By the way, I couldn't help but, but notice the little dog in the background there. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, it's my wife's dog. It's a Shih Tzu. A Shih Tzu. And is it a, a little puppy boy or a little puppy girl? Well, you know, these things never get bigger than six pounds, so they all seem to be a little puppy, but it's a boy. <laughs> little boy. What's his name? Theo. Theo. Well, say hi to Theo for him. We look forward to getting a chance to make the house more comfortable for him as well. Uh, at any rate, John, this process of measuring the house, uh, which, you know, we're going to go room by room, look at the windows, attic insulation, a lot of different factors. Uh, this process can take about 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how many questions that you have and, you know, depending how long it takes to measure the house. One of the things, John, that's really uh, helpful in this whole situation to you and your family uh, in, this, in this process is to make sure we get both homeowners uh, involved in the design process. The reason that's important is that when we design a system, John, we guarantee that it's going to be perfect. We also guarantee that you and your wife are going to love it. And the last thing that we want is to design a perfect system for you, but then there are some accessories or perhaps indoor air quality products or other features uh, or accessories that maybe your wife uh, did want or didn't want, and bottom line is she doesn't like the system. And what that does obviously puts a big burden on us to make sure the system satisfies everybody. So we like to get both homeowners involved in the design process. So given the fact it's going to take 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how many questions you have, and uh, that it's beneficial for you to have both homeowners involved in the design process. Uh, is there a time that we could come out and meet with both you and your wife? You know, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. We kind of work opposite schedules. Okay. Um, so it's going to be tough to get us both in the same place at a time. And, and, you know, listen, I know my wife, so I'm pretty confident that I know what she's going to want. Right. Is it really a big deal? Well, uh, it, it kind of is. On the other hand, we want to be respectful of your time and your wife's schedule as well. Uh, but I would like to extend this offer, John. We can come out at times that are really uh, convenient for you and your wife. This decision, it's really about you. It's really about your wife. It's not about our convenience, right? It's about coming out when it works for you. Uh, as I mentioned, it's very important to get you both involved in the design process because we want to make sure that your wife loves the system. And the reality is, you know, buying a heating and air conditioning system today, John, is a little bit like buying a car. Uh, there are so many different variables in designs and technology and efficiency and this and that and the other. I mean, if you were going to go buy a family car, would you get your wife involved in that process? Yeah, I, I better. I'd be yeah. in big trouble. Hey, man, if I brought a new car home without checking with my wife and, and having her pick it out, uh, I might be homeless or something like that. So, but it's not that much different with a heating and air conditioning system. Back in the day, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, HVAC systems for HVAC systems. But today there's such a huge variety in accessories and indoor air quality products and uh, uh, different uh, uh, fan operations, you know, from continuous fan uh, to modulating fans to off and on fans, all these different variables, different efficiencies, just a huge uh, amount of different options. And so it's a little more difficult perhaps to buy an air conditioning system than it would have been, you know, 15 years or so ago. So because of those variables, uh, it's, it's really important that we, that we get your wife involved in the process. Now, having said that, we can come at a very convenient time. We can come out in the evenings. We can even come out on a weekend. Whatever would time would work Saturday for you morning. and your wife. Have to be a Saturday morning? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we can certainly make that happen. Uh, how about uh, 10 a.m. this Saturday, John? That'll give you guys a little time to sleep in and have some breakfast, take the O for a walk, and 
and then we can have, uh, we're going to have Winston come out actually and, and have this discussion with you about a new system. Uh, you know, nine would be better. If okay. it's going to take an hour and a half this way, that'll at least give us the second half of the day to hang out. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Well, John, let me get a little more information from you, and we'll get this all set up. You got it. Now, obviously, in the summertime, while price may be less of a pressure, it's still going to be there. A lot of times in the summertime, your customers are just like, you know, who can do it first? Who can do it first? But they're not idiots, right? A price is always going to be an issue. So I think in the summertime, it's critically important that your people have very quick, efficient things they can do to help overcome the price objection. Take a look at this clip that is specifically designed to help you and your people overcome the price objection at the kitchen table. In the next objection, we're going to be talking about price. Now, this is one I'm sure that many of you lead coordinators out there face. A homeowner calls in and they want a price. They want a price. They want a price right now. Uh, and one of the things that we know is that it is uh, futile to give price over the phone. If you give price over the phone, they're simply going to uh, just take that price and keep calling until they find someone cheaper. Uh, so you want to do everything in your power not to give the price. If you have to, as you'll see in the role play, you maybe can give a range, but a really big range. Uh, you'll do that if you have to. Uh, but at the end of the day, you want to do everything in your power to get one of your comfort consultants, one of your design consultants, in the house, right? Because you're probably not going to be able to sell an HVAC system for 10 or 15 or you know whatever thousand over the phone. We got to get somebody in the house. If we start giving prices over the phone, we are virtually guaranteed to be selling cheap systems that have no margin and really no profitability for the company. So, uh, John, I'll take the call. Thank you for calling so much for calling ABC Heating and Cooling. This is Wally. How may we save you money today? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for some information on replacing my home comfort system. Okay, that's great. Uh, this is obviously what we do. We appreciate you so much calling. Uh, do you mind, sir, if I ask your name? Uh, sure, it's John. John, and your last name? Ketchell. Awesome. Well, thank you, John, for calling in. We appreciate you taking the time. Uh, what part of town do you live in, by the way? Uh, the Northeast. Okay. And do you mind me asking how you found out kind of about our company? Um, well, I saw one of the trucks in the neighborhood as I was driving out to work, so um, I went online, kind of checked you out a little bit, and... Um, you know, I really just wanted to reach out to you. I, I you know, I, I've got a friend in the business. He's, okay. He doesn't live locally, but, you know, he kind of told me I needed a two-and-a-half-ton system, so I'm just really looking for the price on that. Okay, so the price on the two-and-a-half-ton system. So let me ask you this, John. Uh, do you happen to have uh, a load calculation, uh, the paperwork on that from your friend that would, uh, uh, that would uh, tell him that it's a two-and-a-half-ton system? Well, he, he asked me how many square feet the house was, so we used that. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, and I will tell you, you know, the Department of Energy estimates that well over half of all systems are improperly sized. And a large reason for that is that people sometimes will base the, the tonnage on, on the square footage. The right. reality is your home, uh, a couple of thousand square feet or whatever it is, can be a much different load calculation uh, than another house with the exact same floor plan, just depending on you know, where you are situated, the orientation to the sun, uh, the amount of attic insulation, the windows, that type of thing. So uh, really what we recommend and what's recommended by the Department of Energy is to have, when some, have someone come out and do a, a proper load calculation and really measure the house, look at the windows, look at the attic insulation, those types of things to make sure we get the system properly sized. In terms of uh, this entire decision, John, on a scale of one to 10, how important is it for you to make an informed buying decision? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be 300 bucks, so it, of course right. it's important to me. Yeah, so maybe even a 9 or 10? 
definitely a nine or a ten. Yeah. Well, and because the decision is so important, because the investment you're making is really into the infrastructure of your home, uh, we really recommend that you take the time to have the house uh, properly measured and properly sizing the system. And by the way, uh, we don't charge a dime for that service. So with that in mind, John, is that something you would be uh, inclined to do to go ahead and have the system properly sized? Well, I mean, I would say I have a pretty basic house. I know it's 2,400 square feet. I mean, uh, you know, two rooms have sliding glass doors. So, okay. you know, nothing really super special about it. I mean, are you not able to give me at least uh, an idea of what I'm looking at? Well, in terms of the price, uh, I can probably give you some very vague idea, John, but, but here, here's the real challenge. Buying a heating and air conditioning system today is kind of like buying a car. You know, if you were to call a car dealership and say, hey, how much is a new car? Uh, you know, what would they be most likely to say to you if you ask them how much a new car would cost over the phone? I guess they would ask me what kind of car I would want to buy. Exactly. Uh, what kind of car, what kind of options, what make, what model. The reality is, is buying a heating and air conditioning system today is a lot like buying a vehicle. The technology has changed so much like everything else in life. The technology has gotten very complex. The efficiencies can be anywhere from very inefficient to super high efficient. Uh, you could be looking at a lot of different uh, variables with respect to options and indoor air quality, a lot of different things. So it's really, really uh, difficult to give you a price on a two and a half ton system. There are so many variables. So what I'd like to extend, John, is just the offer to have one of our uh, comfort consultants, our design consultants, come out at no charge and no obligation to you. Uh, obviously, you said it's a 9 or a 10 in terms of importance. So I, I think that when you get a chance to talk to these folks, you'll see that it's really worth your time. But uh, to set a time to have, have those guys come out, properly uh, measure the house, do the load calculation, and share with you uh, these various options that can be from you know, very affordable to you know, super high efficiency on the other end. Does that seem like it might make sense in this situation? Yeah, I mean, how much of a process is this? Well, depending on how long it takes to measure the home, depending on how many questions you have, and uh, it sounds like your, your house is a fairly simple floor plan, so perhaps it won't take quite as long as it could, uh, but the, the process could take 60 to 90 minutes. And I believe if you take the time, John, you'll find a system that just is, you know, lines up perfect with your budget and gives you a lot of options and flexibility in the pricing to get something exactly what you're looking for. Fair enough? Sounds fair. Okay, we'll get some more information from you. And we go on to finish up the lead. So in that situation, John really wanted the price, right? Uh, and when somebody wants a price, you can use the analogy of an automobile. Uh, if somebody says that they already know they need a two and a half ton, one of the things I always do is, say, is simply say, well, hey, go ahead and send them that load calculation paperwork, because they're never going to have any, right? Somebody just told them that. But if you ask them to, to, to send that information over, tell them to scan it and fax it, whatever, then they're going to say, well, I don't have any paperwork. Well, go right into the Department of Energy conversation. You can see how simple this is if you're prepared with the Department of Energy, uh, the consumer reports, you know, the guarantees, everything that your company offers, then it's real easy to show the wisdom to people in most cases, not every case, you know, but, you know, two or three times out of, uh, uh, or two out of three times, you should be able to get both homeowners present, you know, somewhere in that range. This is an important decision for homeowners. If they want to hammer you on price, just use that car analogy and, and try to share with them. By the way, if John had pressed me on the issue, if John had said, look, just at least give me a range. You know, you can send your guy out, but give me a range. What I like to do is to give a very wide range. I would say something like this. If, if John really pressed me, I'd say, well, now, uh, John, here, here's the reality. You can look at a basic system from anywhere from seven or $8,000 in the low end up to twenty dollars or $25,000 on the high end. It just depends on the brand, the efficiency, all the various options that would be available to you. 
I know it's a pretty wide range, but without seeing your house, that's really about as close as we can get. So at least now my salesperson go, going out there has the opportunity to, to have a wide range. What you don't want to do is say, oh, I think a new air conditioner's, you know, $4,000. Then next thing you know, when your sales guy walks in the house, the homeowner's like saying, well, the guy on the phone said it was 4,000 bucks. And it, it creates a very, very uh, stressful dynamic for your salesperson and probably not uh, a situation they're going to be successful in. Now, in addition to saying all the right things, whether it's uh, CSR dispatching or our, our lead coordination, it's also important that whenever possible, we match the right service technician to the right kind of call, right? Because we want to put the right people uh, in the right places. The people, you know, everybody has their special power. Certain things they're good at. And those things can be, you know, kind of correlated to certain kind of calls. So it's critically important that your CSRs, they understand, your dispatchers also, they understand what each service technician is good at and which kind of call each should go out on. So we put the right technician on the right call. To get more into detail, let's turn to Gary Alex, who talks about matching the right dispatcher, the right CSR, the right call, and matching that to the right technician. Uh, so there's a couple of different things that I would ask you to write down uh, right off the bat. Uh, so first of all, it depends somewhat on your business model. Uh, so we're a hybrid style company. We have plumbing, electrical, and HVAC technicians. But as a hybrid, we have certain technicians that are capable of selling, and we have other technicians that are not capable of selling. Therefore, they are what we would consider to be repair versus replace lead turnover technicians. So we're starting the architectural tree right there and saying not all technicians are created equal. Now, we know that. Uh, everybody that's in customer service or dispatch or service management clearly knows that not all technicians can do the same set of skills, uh, and so the variability exists. It's everywhere in life. It's in sports, and it's certainly true in the technical nature of our business. So we don't want to dispatch uh, a technician that can't sell, that's a lead turnover tech, to a piece of equipment that we know in our database is essentially over 10 years old. And we, we would much rather have the dispatching function create the opportunity for the selling tech. Uh, that's a no-brainer. From a seasonality point of view, uh, we're literally coming into the season. Uh, it, it's one of those things that we would say that's a priority one item on the chart. Uh, the second thing that I would have you write down is then each technician has technical competencies that are different than other technicians. Now the goal is to build a team that has depth, bench strength, and everybody in the organization understands you know, how to do heat pumps, you know, how to do commercial, uh, how to diagnose uh, you know, zone control systems, uh, VRF, VRV technology, and so forth. So we're not there. Uh, that's a migration that happens over a long period of time with technical training. And as a service management function, one of the things I would do is I would create a skills chart. So let's take a look at this particular chart. This skills chart is an example. So I would have each technician organized and I would say, I want everybody to be able to do this, but I have to decide what this is. So this is represented by the chart. So, you know, do you understand how we dispatch? that I'm not sending you out on a 12-year-old piece of equipment if you haven't completed your sales training. It's not going to happen. Tech A, who's a great sales tech, is going to get that opportunity. But I'm going to send you out on other calls and so forth. So the administrative side, flat rate, understanding the service call procedure. So these are all basics, right? When we get into the dispatching function then, you know, do we understand uh, that maintenance techs are different than service techs? And so you know, that's one of those bifurcated discussions as well. So, looking at line 27, basic maintenance, charging procedures, cold weather tune-ups, 
Those are maintenance tech items that we would need to make sure that are identified. The uh, layer below that then is, you know, are we good at the system diagnosis? Does the technician understand electronic ignition systems? Does he understand basic electricity, gas systems, heat pumps? The, uh, the, the overall process of being NATE certified says, you know, level one, level two, level three, level four. That gets me a certain level of technical competency. So then we're into the commercial refrigeration. Do you understand commercial application, you know, VRV, VRF? So I don't know what your uh, platform is uh, relative to your overall organization, but I know this. Every single one of my technicians has a skill development chart, and they're a different place on the continuum. The important part of this conversation is I can hand that to my call center manager. We can have a dispatcher slash customer service meeting, and we can go over this, and we can sit down, and we can literally say, I'll be the technician. Gary, technician one, is capable of doing heat pumps, zone controls, all the refrigeration systems, understands gas, understands electricity. So he is a diagnostic level 7 out of 10. So that signals to the dispatch function that you can send me out on various calls, uh, but you can't send me on VRF or VRV or something that's more commercial related because I'm not in that rating. So we've created that rating system for our guys and mostly the dispatching system to be able to recognize that Gary's capable of doing heat pumps, he's capable of doing gas furnaces, he's capable of doing zone controls, he's capable of doing various things, and he's pretty good at the sales process, but he's not a selling tech, so he doesn't get any of the over 10s in the existing customer database. So I'm going to be that technician that's going to get dispatched based on that skills chart. So the second discussion that I would like you to have is your dispatching function, whatever software you're using, heck, I don't care if it's just written down on a piece of paper and put you know, on a computer you know, if you're not using any type of dispatching software, that you note that Gary is capable of doing these types of skills. So when we identify through the customer service and dispatching process that an existing customer you know, it has a commercial building and it maybe is VRF, you got to dispatch Tech 2, not Tech 1, because Tech 2 is skill set rated 8. He's got commercial refrigeration. And he's been trained, maybe through Daikin or Mitsubishi or LG or whomever train uh, carrier through the VRV, VRF technologies, and we're in a good place. Tech 2 can go out, and he is fully capable of doing the full diagnostic on that style of equipment, those style of controls, and understands building automation. So if you send me out there, I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to land out there and go, hey, I don't, I don't really understand this. You know? So what we need is that chart on the dispatching system. And so we use SuccessWare 21. That chart exists where we literally keep that up and the technician board is available. And we know what skill sets are available for each of the technicians because we have sat down through this skill development chart. We have organized the principles of saying technician one and technician two are not the same on their technical competencies. So, you know, saying the right things as a CSR saying the right things as a lead coordinator, matching up the right technician with the right call. These things are all really important at this time of year. But next week, we're going to talk about something else that's really, really important, and that is make sure that our service technicians are prioritizing their activities. It's going to be a really important show to make sure that you're focusing on the right things in the course of every single call. 
So be sure and join us again next week as we continue our summer sales series. As you know, we do our Ask the Experts call every other week. We invite you to join every time we do that. You should get a notification in your email. Be sure and join us because it's your chance to ask questions to me and Gary Drew and get answers right on the spot. These are live calls we do every other Monday on Ask the Experts. Now, recently on one of our Ask the Experts call, we got an interesting question. And the question was, you know, basically, what's the best training method? Well, it'll come as no great shock to you that, of course, I am the best training method. Just kidding, right? You got Gary Ellis, you got Drew, you got online, you got live, you got all kinds of options for training. So let's take a listen and check out what's the best training method for you and your company. You know, I think when it comes to training, there are so many brilliant people. You're looking at two of them uh, on the screen across here right now. And I think it depends a lot on the subject matter. Obviously, we all, all have our expertises and specialties and different things. And, you know, Drew is very well known for his marketing and his sales, uh, service tech, that kind of stuff. Uh, Gary is very well known for, you know, the financial side, the accounting, that type of thing. But I think the key metric um, or the key, you know, determiner is does it work, you know? And I think there's so many different training programs out there, and the key to all of them is consistent application, right? If you bring Drew in, you bring Gary in, or use their online programs, either one, uh, it's a matter of doing what they tell you to do on a consistent basis, you know? I think when it comes to sale and, sales and service tech training, I think the key is, is, you know, what program incorporates a lot of role-playing? There's just no substitute for role-playing in, in training as far as sales goes. You know, finance and uh, strategic planning, those types of things that Gary works with, you know, or, or, or less obviously role play is not really the deal there. But I, I think the key is, is it something that's simple? Is it something you can understand and implement on a consistent basis? You know, one of the things I, I believe that you show me a complicated sales process, for example, and I'll show you a salesperson who's not using it, right? We need simple. Uh, we need effective for sure. Uh, but I just to say which is the best would be, uh, it's just impossible to say it, it, what works for one company may not work for another company. Uh, I've had success in some companies implementing my programs and other companies, you know, not as much. So it just depends on the, the personalities of the, the people involved, the willingness of the management to, to reinforce the training on an ongoing basis. Uh, but the key thing would be certainly consistency. I think EGIA, if I may be so bold, has a very powerful program. Because not only do we offer, you know, dozens and dozens of live trainings around the country, all of those programs are reinforced with online training. So I think a program, if you're the owner or manager of a company, you go to a program and let's say you love it, but maybe that program is not coming around for another year, right? So how do you send your people to it? With EGIA, you can send your people to it right away online. So if you like the training, then you can reinforce it online. Uh, and I mentioned consistency, which is, I think, a, a big part of every training program. Uh, that's going to be effectively implemented, and that's why we do uh, this call every Monday. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, when you stop and think about it, to have the to have Gary and Drew's expertise, probably 50 or 60 years between them, uh, in terms of expertise in the industry, basically in your office every Monday morning to brainstorm ideas, to bounce ideas off of. I mean, you think about that. Uh, we do the weekly show with the Ask the Experts, right? So. Uh, it reinforces kind of the same concepts over and over. There's nothing new under the sun. And it's a way to put that content in front of your service techs, your whole company, really, your salespeople, whatever, to reinforce the overall message and changing the culture and, you know, being more 
creative on sales and accounting and everything that we talk about, you know. So I think the key is simplicity and consistency. And if you can incorporate those two things in any training program, uh, you know, it's simple, it's consistent, and it's implementable. You're implementing on a consistent basis. I don't know if it makes much difference whether you use, you know, one training program or another, so long as you're implementing the content that you have. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. I hope you got the right training system for your company. If you're right here at EGA Contract University, I guarantee that you do because we offer it all. But I want to make sure your CSRs are saying the right things, doing the right things during the summertime. I want to make sure you're capitalizing on those opportunities. I want to make sure you're putting every service tech on the right call so you can make the most of your summer. That's our show. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.